fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums! I'm Emmett. And I'm Wade. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are concluding our miniseries, Cold Boy Summer, covering all the films in the Twilight series. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series, because there are currently are none. Unless someday they happen to make one about that that girl, Brie Tanner, who gets turned into one and then gets killed in that movie. Wade, how are you doing? I'm good. I mean, I'm good. Here we are at the end of Cold Boy Summer. Hard to believe. I can't believe the Cold Boy Summer is already coming to an end. Just as soon as it began. And I'll, I'll give our listeners a little tease up front. Uh-huh. Our next series is very hot. Ooh, that's It's very true. warm. I would say We're warm. We're sort of going locale-wise to the exact opposite of this series. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty true. <laughs> yeah. But no, I feel like I've made the most of my Cold Boy Summer. What about I'll tell you, you it, it truly indeed has been a Cold Boy Summer here because on Ocracoke, it has been damn cold this may it has been it has been shivery and windy and frigid and it's been awful and today was like the first day that it was actually decent to go out sailing and be in the sun i'm happy that cold boy summer is coming to an end i may be as well (laughs) well fantastic i'm doing especially well today wade thank you for asking (laughs) i did ask I asked this time <laughs> because today, I said, how was your cold boy summer? <laughs> because today we're oh, honored to God. have a special guest. Uh, she's a director, writer, and an actor perhaps best known to our audience for probably having her own Twilight Tumblr account back in the day. And I would even say back in the day. I'm guessing she maintains it even to this <laughs> very moment. <laughs> Please welcome Charity Irby. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was a riveting introduction. Thank you so much. And I could not, con- almost could not contain every time you guys said cold voice. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Wonderful. We're so happy to have you here, yes, Charity. Thank and you, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for being here. First, I'd like to ask you about what your experience with the books is, because I, I we talked a little bit before we started recording that you had mm. definitely read all of them several times. Definitely. Uh, and then if you'll expand into your experience with the movies for us, uh, just let us know. Yes, I was a Twi hard, like from the jump. When Twilight came out, it was a book that transformed my life. I'm not wow. proud to wow. say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah. big statement. How, how so? How so? It was just like middle. I just remember in middle school picking up the thick, bible of a novel and like going through the pages i maybe finished that book in two weeks i just knew like this is the series for me so every book that came out (laughs) you're laughing laughing. but as a middle school tween like i would just go to the library every day and that's what i read i wasn't always allowed to check out those books because my parents were not about um Mm. vampire love stories so i definitely had to sneak around all the novels in my house if i had them did that make it even better and like more exciting yes (laughs) oh my gosh 
just secretly like under my covers at night, like going through Bella's like in Edward's store. Oh my gosh. Oh, it was exciting. It was the most exciting part of my like middle school, high school career was those books. And when the movies came out, it really gave me a sense of purpose. I'm being wow. <laughs> not dramatic wow. about this. Wow. They were e- each time they came out, it was so exciting. Like watching all the trailers, so exciting. Like reading all the books before the movie came out, just so you could have it fresh in your psyche. Definitely, I was. That was me. That was I was all for Twilight. Sorry, at the time. What did you think of the adaptation? Like, how did you how did you feel about the movies in comparison to the books? I think I was so deep in that I could not see what was really happening as far as the quality of, of <laughs> filmmaking. <laughs> I was just excited that someone picked this up and decided to make the movies and decided to bring these characters to life. I thought every single one was the best movie ever. And I would say, I would like post on social media, I just watched the best movie ever after every (laughs) single one. (laughs) That's awesome. Were you into any other fandoms too? Or was this like it for you? I read all of them and I watched all of them, but my heart wasn't as invested. I read all the Hunger Games and watched all the Hunger Games. I read all the mm. Divergent series. And, you know, I did oh, wow. those. It didn't go deep for me. It didn't hit me in the heart the way uh-huh. that Twilight did. Uh, did you, like, fall out of Twilight and come back to it? Have you treasured these nonstop all through the years? I probably watch Twilight once every year. I'm not, like, okay. that's probably where I go because... That movie is so bad and so good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, the the filter they put on that world, the gray face, like gray the entire, like it's just so bad that I love watching it. So now I just watch it for nostalgia and like to make fun mm. of it. I think I think this year I definitely even before I knew about this podcast, I watched rewatched all the movies in like a day. <laughs> during <Wow>. work <laughs> during work I was just like huh, let me dive back into my like childhood <laughs> so they come up it comes up it definitely it's still a treasured experience for me we've heard from a lot of people throughout this whole series that like since the pandemic and being at home they have rewatched Twilight yeah specifically some yeah. multiple times it's <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, true it's an easy watch I could understand how watching all five of these in one day could be comforting. I like it because you see the budget. That you see the budget literally mm. get like every single movie. You're like, oh, okay, like they actually did this. Like, okay. I read that in this one there are more shots of the werewolves than in the other movies combined. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! They love this Digiwolves. <laughs> now charity i hesitate to even ask you this question because i'm looking at your little uh tag on our squadcast videos (laughs) but uh (laughs) i don't want to spoil it for the listener so what team are you we are team jacob all the way from the beginning (laughs) from the beginning okay back in 2000 and i don't even know when i was team jacob from the start wow I was obsessed with Taylor Lautner. 
I was obsessed <laughs> with that man. I had his picture in my locker. I had him everywhere. I was, <laughs> I was obsessed with Taylor Lautner. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Such a uh, sweet boy. That's awesome. Uh, what are your thoughts on Shark Boy and Lava Girl? <laughs> 10 out of 10 films. I love it. Isn't it so? It's such a beautiful (laughs) movie. (laughs) It was a good movie. (laughs) He did so good. Like, he had so much personality in that movie. That movie, like this movie, gives you everything you need. (laughs) Yes. Team Jacob. Wait, what about you guys? Where where are we on the team? Until he fell in love with an actual child, I was on Team Jacob. I was back in the day, and I remain <laughs> Team Edward. Are you kidding? Okay, all right. All I right. can tell that I'm unfortunately going to be the heel in a lot of this episode. Okay, Wade. All right. <laughs> Hurt my heart a little bit. I kind of liked Edward the most in this movie because he doesn't have anything to do. He's sort of just like sitting back and laughing at other people doing things. Yeah. He definitely, yeah. like, that was his easiest film, definitely, by yes. far. He just killed for the most of the movie. Notice how Seth and Leah aren't even in this movie as humans. Right. They're just in oh. it as wolves. They're credited in the credits, but so yeah. are people who were in, like, the second and third movies and nothing yeah. else. It's I wild. That in-credit sequence is so wild. We'll talk about those credits. Yeah, okay. We'll yes, talk about that later. Um, but let me just give you a rundown, the listener, uh, of what this movie is. <laughs> this movie is the X-Men apocalypse of the Twilight <laughs> universe, which of course means that it is incomprehensible and my favorite. It is the follow-up to Breaking Dawn Part 1, where Bella has been turned into a vampire at the very end. It begins the moment that she opens her eyes and has recovered as a vampire. All of a sudden, she's a newborn vampire. She needs to go get blood. You know, she's, like, even more powerful than anybody could have possibly predicted that she was. All of a sudden, Kristen Stewart emerges from her cocoon of awkwardness and becomes the great death moth that she was born to be. And it's like, yes, what what were you doing for four movies? And then their little baby girl, who is growing up at an inordinately fast rate, has attracted attention from the Volturi, who finally have something to do. And it's like, in classic Twilight fashion, at the fifth hour, we're finally going to introduce the villains that we've known were the villains all along, but now there's like some action and some conflict. And you're like, what? A Twilight movie where there's action and conflict turns out to be a really good movie. Because like there's lots of like weird family dynamic stuff going on. And then there's like some intense action stuff going on. And you're like, oh, there's some forward momentum in this. Because the Volturi are pissed that the Cullens have invented an immortal child, which they see as some sort of heinous crime against nature. And of course, all the reason behind it is silly, but you like see there's like a real thing that people want and they want to protect this kid and the other people want to destroy this kid and they're going to go to war over it. So there's a long montage where they find all the friends. Well, the bad guys think that it's a full vampire child, but it's not actually. It's not actually. It's actually something else and weirder and probably more powerful and dangerous, but 
whatever. And then finally, and I think this is the big thing that pisses people off about this movie, at about an hour and 10 into this hour and 55 minute movie, they all the two teams line up on either side of this big icy place to fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. The dude Arrow, who's played by Martin Sheen, apparently. <laughs> okay, so he is up there. He's looking kind of crazy and awesome. He's like, oh, what if we fought? Then there's a huge fight and everyone dies. Like, everyone dies. All of the, your favorite characters die in really brutal ways. And it's mm. really sad. And then you realize that it was all just a future projection that Alice was seeing that she was showing to him. And the fight didn't really happen. And this movie has it both ways and is like, let's show you the most kick-ass action sequence ever to be put to film. I think this movie gives us what The Last Stand never did, uh, (laughs) final battle-wise. Okay, that's fair. I think this movie delivers some stuff in like a pretty serious way that some other high-fantasy action movies didn't do. Mm-hmm. In a way that is so completely out of character with the rest of this series. So, and then at the end, the Volturi are like, well, we'll just live to live to fight another day. And they go their separate ways. And everybody's fine. And, like, only three people actually die in the whole movie. But I will tell you straight up right now, to spoil the body count part of this episode, 22 people die total. I think, like, 18 of those wow. are in the in the battle sequence. And they're, like, all your favorite characters. Wow. Um, and then they all live, they all live happily ever after, and it's really sweet, but kind of weird because the Jacob and Renesmee thing is just gross. It is very strange, but it's like a really interesting view of like alternative families and like happy endings in ways that you don't expect. So hey, what the hell? <laughs> you okay. have some feelings about that, Wade? I mean, that's. I think that's a very positive spin <laughs> on the Jacob Renesmee thing, but I'll allow it. I'm not. I'm not specifically talking about that. I think there's something really sweet and endearing about like Rosalie and Edward and Bella together, like kind of taking care of this kid, and like all of mm-hmm. the Cullens kind of taking care of this mm. baby, and like vampires who are associated with like death and like being old and crusty and weird and gross, like taking care of a baby is like such a Mm -hmm. cute, like such a cute, like concept and such like an interesting, uncomfortable space to go into for monsters. And I don't know if this movie delivers on all of it, but it it does deliver on some of it, you know? I love the family more than I love Bella throughout the entire series. So (laughs) I will repeat multiple times that I do not like Bella (laughs) throughout this podcast. I read um, some sort of review from the time of uh, someone who went to a midnight screening and said that like the audience booed when Bella came on at the beginning when they flashed her opening credit card. Oh, she's so good though. She's so good. No, you don't understand. (laughs) As the the Twilight community, (laughs) we did not like the main character at all. Really. Wait, speak yeah. on this. I've never even heard this before. In the books, too? I think it is because she is the least active main character of a series. Like, everything is happening to her, so she became, like, the damsel in the distress always. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're talking about New Moon and how she kind of, like, did something. Like, she's like, I'm going to go do something about my feelings. 
even though like 75% of the movie was her just in her feelings. Yeah, I just I don't think she was just personable. Like we didn't like I wasn't always rooting for her. I like <laughs> I think it, and maybe it's just a personal opinion, but a lot of people just did not like Bella. And then Kristen Stewart did a great job of just not being likable as as well. So I think that came naturally though. Yeah, and I think the like team jacob of me was like why would you do this to such a great person mm. like why mm. would you play with his emotions like that mm. when you ch- you should have chose him in the first <sighs> you know i think she just didn't make the decisions but i would <laughs> <So>. <laughs> carlisle just is not hot in this movie i saw this last movie he looks different <laughs> it's the first movie that, to me okay maybe in the last movie i wasn't really paying attention to him in the last movie but this is the first one where i've like clocked that he was not hot anymore and i'm very disappointed something like happened to his face between three and four because he just does look very different in both of these than he does in the first three no shade to the actor still love his performances but yeah 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 it's it's he's good in this one he's good he's good i but i did just like notice i was like i don't know that haircut isn't doing him any favors like Wade, what are the quick stats, though, first, before we get into this film proper? Well, they are pretty quick this week because they're mostly the same as last week. Uh, This film was directed by Bill Condon, who directed part one, filmed in all one big shoot, uh, written by Melissa Rosenberg, who wrote every movie in the series, sole credited writer on every movie in the series. That's pretty wild. Can't really emphasize like how unusual that is for like a big budget franchise. These things normally have like six r- credited writers per thing. So that's crazy. This one is based on the 2008 novel by Stephanie Meyer, which obviously part one was as well. Score by Carter Burwell, who also did the score for the first movie and for part one. It runs one hour and 55 minutes, making it the shortest movie in the series. How did you guys feel about the pacing in this one? They pack in a lot. I think it's a great pacing. Like, every scene is like, let's go. Let's keep going. There's like a couple weird moments where they do a montage and it seems like they're slowing things down. But mostly those are pretty painless and everything else around it is really like action-packed and or forward momentum. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there are stretches that I think are worse quality than others, mm-hmm. but I don't think anything is like significantly slower than everything else yeah. in the movie. Uh, this thing was released November 16th, 2012 mm. by Lionsgate. I don't know if you noticed that in the opening credits uh. there. But yeah, so in between the last movie and this one, Lionsgate bought Summit. So some made this movie themselves, but they were now owned by Lionsgate when this one came out. And of course, most of the reason Lionsgate bought them was to have the rights to these Twilight movies. So this is, I think, I mean, there might have been one or two this same year, but this is sort of the last movie that Summit makes on its own. And then like after they got bought by Lionsgate, they're sort of just like a studio that is used to put out whatever Lionsgate movies come their way. Uh, Like, not sort of their own production company that's mm. out there picking projects and funding things in the way they were before. Cool. This one had a budget of $136 million, which is the biggest budget in the entire series. It is 
a hundred million dollars more than the first movie had. And you feel it. <laughs> you do. You do. It needed to make, give or take, about three hundred million for the studio to break even. It made eight hundred and thirty million dollars. Hot dog, man. That's sweet. Look, we loved it. We loved it. <laughs> we loved it out here. <laughs> Yeah, it was the biggest box office success in the series by $150 million. So by a huge amount, made more than the second best, which was Eclipse. Dude, if I'd known it was this good at the time, I would have seen it in theaters at least twice. (laughs) Well, uh, the other interesting thing is this one almost cracks a billion. Uh And this year, 2012, is the start of movies making a billion dollars regularly like the top movies of the year always making a billion dollars so this was the sixth highest grossing of 2012 and the first four all made a billion plus so number one you've got avengers Mm -hmm. the original avengers which sort of starts the whole like we're gonna get a billion every time number two skyfall Number three, The Dark Knight Rises. Number four, The Hobbit in Unexpected Journey. Wow, 2012 was really the best year in film since 1930-whatever. <laughs> so all four of those crack a billion. Then fifth, the only other one above this, is Ice Age Continental Drift. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which I think is the 80th Ice Age movie. And then what? you've got this one, number six. That's wild. Uh, At the time, this got mixed reviews, but it was generally considered to be much better than part one. It has a 52 on Metacritic, which makes it the third best received in the series. Okay, but the review this week is from Genevieve Kosky of the AV Club. She writes, Breaking Dawn Part 2 comes as close as the film series has gotten to reconciling the epic romance it is billed as and the self-aware camp fest it often wants to be. But it is still a messy, unwieldy slab of film that's targeted directly at fans of the book series, with little regard for anyone else. As it should. (laughs) I feel like this series almost more, I think really more than anyone else is like for, like they truly put so much stuff for the fans into these. There's some things that they, you know, went off track with, of course, with the movie, but it definitely like kept you like, oh my gosh, yes. Like you could go through the book and be like, yes, this is, this is there. This is there. Like they really captured, they really captured a lot. So I was happy. I wonder if it was maybe that Harry Potter had sort of already pissed fans of the books (laughs) off and it, and this was before, like before they just people were just like well you can't make everyone happy we're just gonna mm-hmm. do whatever we want you know yeah like i feel like they were in that middle ground where they were like no we have to please them yes we've given everything to them okay <laughs> <laughs> apparently we did <laughs> well charity yes this movie twilight saga mm-hmm. breaking dawn yes Part two. Oh, part two. Okay. Flop or bop? Ah, I'm going to say it's a bop. I'm going to say it's, it's a bop. There's some floppy moments. There's some floppy moments. <laughs> but overall, like, re-watching it this week, I still I still had the tears rolling down my eyes at the end of the movie. And that's why I know I, it still got it. 
it still has what it needs. So it's a bob. Mm. It is definitely a bob. Wait, flop or bob? <laughs> um, it's a flop for me. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say it. In the words of Edward, it's painful, but it's bearable. <laughs> That's my take on this movie. <laughs> Uh, far from the worst in this series. <laughs> That's true. But I think the first half is really bad, and I think the second half is better. You know, you know, Emmett, that I've been almost evangelical about the work Melissa Rosenberg did in adapting these and sort of figuring out what works really well and like bringing those things to the surface. I think she makes one incredible creative choice here with the battle, but I think she just would have needed to do a lot more to make the rest of the film work for me. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, like the effects in this look so much worse than any other movie in the series. Look. (laughs) They do. They look so much worse than they did five years before in Twilight. I was watching this on the 66 FPS, whatever (laughs) this thing is I've been watching it on. It was grainy uh. as hell, and I was just like, I was just having to imagine it look cool. I was like, oh, I, I think that red blur was Jacob as a wolf trying to do something to a vampire, I guess. Oh my gosh. So you don't know about the baby. About the baby? Oh, yeah. Could you see oh, no. the facial expressions oh, yes. of Renesmee no, at every no, point in that this was film? horrifying. I, I have somewhere in my notes, CGI baby is terrifying. Imagine seeing that baby on like a movie screen no. blown up. <laughs> so big. We're just, we're <laughs> just floating. It's just oh floating. God. It's so bad that you can't stop thinking about it throughout the entire movie. Every time she got they older, don't let like... you. <laughs> What about when Dakota Fanning just drops a kid onto a fire in this movie? Lots of child murder in this whole series, but this one specifically, big on the child murder. I have that written down. Um, Emmett, was this a flop or a bop for you? It was such a bop. It was such... Oh my god, this this was the best movie I'd seen in a while. I don't know what to say this about movie, that. <laughs> this movie was so much fun. This movie just like did not stop. This movie delivered on things that I think The Last Stand wants to deliver on, that I think uh, Van Helsing wants to deliver on, that I think The Hunger Games comes close to getting into <laughs> at some points. This movie's got it all. I think if you ever wanted to like understand what twilight was if you just watched if you just watched new moon and this movie you'd be set that's all you'd have to do watch one long boring character study and one just action-packed <laughs> camp fest as that lady said i love that you love it i was not expecting to come into this room and emit saying these things to me. <laughs> I was not either, but I should have known. I should have been prepared for this. Like, I like a wild swing, man. I think overall, the series tied the knot. Like, you watched all, if you watched all of them through, which you guys kind of were watching weekly, Mm -hmm. it is a good character story. It is a good, like, trajectory. Even though I don't like the main character, I like seeing her evolve. I like seeing her, like, grow. Her growth only came when she became a vampire, which is sad overall, but... 
that's one of my two big things about this movie that were tough for me to get over because it just feels like a different character. Like it really, to me does feel like Bella died in the last movie. And this is like a different version. Like it felt very Gandalf, the gray Gandalf, the white mm-hmm. to me. Cause this Bella is like nothing like the Bella that we knew. She's very confident. And like the Bella we knew was like too anxious to live most of the time. Like, so racked with anxiety like in the last movie she has a panic attack at her own wedding like walking down the aisle you know and Mm -hmm. this and then we just get like ultra confident like very little emotion like super strong super fast incredible posture bella and so it just felt really weird like i it was tough for me to think of it as a happy ending for Mm. her because I guess if you look at the beginning where she starts at the beginning of the first movie and where she ends, that is a big growth. Like that's a big change, but it sort of feels like that entire change happens off screen. Mm. Like we see her as the Bella, we know making some steps towards being like taking control of herself and, and being more confident in the last few movies. Mm. And then it feels like sort of her growth just ends and then she comes back as like Robo-Bella almost. Mm -hmm. Just like this different version of her, which was really just like really weird for me. I was like, who who is she? Yeah, I think in the last movie, we kind of see her like evolving into this like more strong, more self-assured like character from her like, I'm going to have this baby. Like, I don't care how if it breaks my body apart. I'm having this baby. I want to be a mother. Like, I want this baby to be brought into this world. So I think that was the big character shift for me to see her. Mm-hmm. She's not giving up about it. Like, she's putting her foot down. She's telling everyone no. And I think that, like, follows into the next movie. You know, I think it's really interesting that you say that, Charity, because we talked last episode about how this movie was written as one movie over the two episodes like one long screenplay Mm -hmm. and i think splitting it into two movies does do it a disservice in some way because like you're right the change happens as she like dies giving birth to this kid like that is the change and wade you're right she does die and come back as a slightly as like an altered person but it's through her experience like from the previous movie so I do think it's I think you're both right, but I think that her like change is justified because of that, you know? Yeah. I definitely see that and I think you guys are right that she was heading that direction for sure when she died. I feel like just a lot of this movie she didn't feel like Bella to me. Mm. Yeah, and that's why I love this movie. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair yeah, and I would yeah, point yeah. to this movie when people complain about Kristen Stewart not having any range as an actress because I think she's very different in this one than in the other. Dude, when she's about to eat that guy on the side of the cliff, I was like, yes, that's what, yes, that's what we've been waiting for this whole time. (laughs) What about the, like, the fact that everybody in this movie has magic? Everybody in this movie has got, like, some crazy magical power. Yeah, they go big on the, the superpower angle. I love the characters they brought in. I love, like, Oh, that was so exciting. Just to see more vampires because we got so used to seeing the vampires we know. So like, mm-hmm. when they were just like, here's a whole bunch of other people who are like living in this world. I think they should have done it sooner. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we should have been introduced to like a lot more vampires throughout the series. I love the Voturi because they were like, 
more vampires doing really cool stuff. We don't see mm-hmm. them a lot, but it was always exciting when they came on screen. You know who I was like stunned to see in this movie and was like, this is awesome, is when Robbie Malik shows up. And it's just like playing one of these other vampires that they're friends yeah. with. A young like, Rami Malek. No way, no way. And he's got he's got the Airbender ability, or or no, the Avatar ability. So you can do like water, fire, dirt, all of it, man. What about Lee Pace, Emmett? I knew you would be excited to no see way. Lee Pace Wait, in this which movie. Way, which one is Lee Pace in this one? He's like the rocker dude who doubts. He's oh, like the guy who's sleeping in the attic. I don't oh, know what his name is. Yeah, is that Leap? No way. I love mm-hmm. him. I love him so much. <laughs> no wonder I love that guy. I was just like, oh yeah, that guy. The actor from um, Shameless, he plays like one of the stereotypical like sounding like vampires, like with the <laughs> thick vampire accent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I just I did I didn't make that correlation at all until I rewatched the movie. I was like, oh my gosh. That's a terrible vampire accent, but I'm glad that he's in this film. <laughs> <laughs> this like crew they assemble, I feel like has the racial sensitivity of a Street Fighter roster. <laughs> like it's very much like we're the Irish vampires. We have red hair and we wear green and we drink beer. And it's like there's like three vampires from every country and culture in the world, and they're all sort of just the most basic example there's like russian vampires mm. which is exactly what they sound like the amazon women wearing amazon gear but like uh-huh. even though it's like 2010 like yeah and freezing gold outside <laughs> exactly like that was the choices <laughs> Yeah, they definitely did not have a diversity coach on this movie. Um, all right, <laughs> on any of these movies, it's like all the different nerdy like kids and like all the nerdy cliques that nobody likes all teamed up together to fight the rich kids in this movie, and like that's why it's endearing to me. It's like so sweet because it's like all these weird little small groups of vampires all teaming up against the big bad guy. And you're like, yeah, I can get behind that. And we love an underdog moment. We love it. Yeah. It was really funny to me to watch like overall arcing, like battle scene where they like, you see the small, the small group of Valkyrie and like the even smaller group of like vampires on the other <laughs> side. It used uh-huh. to be so exciting. Like, I was like, Oh my god, this is a war. It's just a couple people. <laughs> just a couple people hanging out in a clearing in the winter. It's, it's weird. They show the shot of the Volturi coming and it looks like so many. And then they go to that like, overhead shot and you're like, oh, there's like 30 Volturi <laughs> and like 12 of our guys. And a couple of CGI wolves. And this, yeah. is what we're, this is what we got. Well, Emmett, you mentioned that the end of this movie feels very unlike the rest of the series. And yeah. the reason for that is that it's not in the book. What? At all. Are you joking? At all. Yeah, this is the big thing. Unbelievable. <laughs> of course, the book is even more disappointing. So in the book, to the best of my memory, you probably know even better than I do, Charity. They do the whole compiling the team thing. Like, they assemble the team, and they get to the clearing, and they're all standing ready for battle, and then they, like, just talk it out. And Alice shows him the vision, but you don't see the vision. You just know that she has shown him something, and then they all walk away. And there's, like, no 
climactic action at all. Damn. Not, not at all. Not at all. Very much in the spirit of this series being like, um, <laughs> there's no action. <laughs> no. So that that, was... that decision to like show the ending was sort of the big change from the book. The big thing okay. that Melissa Rosenberg contributed to this. Well, I think that was really smart. Don't you agree? Yeah, it was traumatic to watch as a Twilight follower who had been, you know, there since the beginning, and then they just Mm -hmm. started killing off your characters. When I tell you the tears and screams of teenage girls in (laughs) one room, it was, it was like someone had like, (laughs) someone had literally died in front of us. Like we were screaming, crying. I remember just being like, this didn't happen in the book. This didn't happen in the book. People were standing up, like, screaming at the screen. Like, it was the most intense <laughs> movie experience I have had since this day. That's so, amazing. It was terrible. And it was the shortest scene, but it felt like the longest scene I've ever been in because we were all just losing it. Damn. And then they cut, and we all were like, that, why would they do that to us? Like, <laughs> was that's incredible that's awesome so you didn't know ahead of time that they were gonna pull that no 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 one knew it was great though it was a good that sounds great all of the deaths in this are so brutal too like when they ripped dakota fanning's head off when seth gets like crushed to death when leah falls down a chasm to her death carlisle he is burned <laughs> up i mean that old vampire dude from the voltor he gets ripped in half by some werewolves and he's like it's my time it's my oh time. my god yeah, yeah that like, rips you up <laughs> he said as i said when finishing this movie finally <laughs> god did you know, Emmett, watching this, did you know it was going to be a fake-out, or did you really think... Unfortunately, I did know that it was a fake-out. Mm. Like, I knew I kind of, that had been spoiled for me going in. I was, like, still pretty invested in the fight, and it was still, like, upsetting to see all those people that I liked die, even though I knew it wasn't real. Wait, wait had you known going in? Uh, I had not known going in, but I do remember being very annoyed by this ending of the book. Uh-huh. When I read the book. Uh-huh. And also, um, I think the Hunger Games does a similar thing where it all sort of builds up to her like going to the capital and then she gets there and then she like passes out and doesn't even like do the mission. And so those were like around similar times. And I was very I remember reading the book and being like, This is how it ends? Like they don't they just talk <laughs> it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which like being a little older now i guess i can respect like what she's going for with like the themes of that but i was very surprised to see it i do i like it made an impression on me and i was pretty out of the series by this time i remember that i saw this one at like the two dollar theater like mm-hmm. three or four months after it came out but i still like distinctly remember them ripping off carlisle's head and like that shot yeah that's yeah. messed up that hurt that one hurt but that was traumatic <laughs> messed it up. is it is in a series that is not like super violent, violent yeah, no. yeah. Well, it's so much more violent in this movie than... I mean, this movie just doesn't really feel like it's a part of the same series. Like, it almost feels like the rest of it was a TV series, and this is, like, the movie 
yeah. they made to wrap up the TV series. Yeah. Like, you can feel that budget and scale being so much bigger. It's crazy. Yeah. The amount of actors they just had available. I thought most of the action was, like, maybe staged well, but not shot super well. But I did love the Alice moment. Mm -hmm. That's the coolest action bit to me. I don't even remember what she does exactly, but she has some, like, big action moment of, like, running through the crowd and killing everyone as she goes until she gets to who she's looking for. Yeah, to Dakota Fanning. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I think that's one. I think that was about face down. Damn. I missed her that entire movie. Mm-hmm. I missed them. Like I didn't miss Jasper because who is Jasper? Come on, <laughs> that character could have not been there, and we would have all been okay. <laughs> like, why didn't they like use his power for like anything? Like, he has a pretty interesting power, but like, mm. he... oh, why were you there? That's a good why point. Were you... Why were you there the entire time? Could he not mellow everyone out at the battle? Yeah, and... just be right? like, get mellow, dude. <laughs> Let's. What if we all just didn't do this? <laughs> what are your thoughts on on Taylor Lautner's performance in this film? Taylor Lautner's performance throughout the films are pretty consistent. I don't think he gets worse or, or better. But I, I'm not. <laughs> he's just kind of like the same guy. They don't. Mm-hmm. He. I don't know. I can't say anything wrong about Taylor Lautner because he is my beau, you know? Yeah. Um, he will always be me and it will be C&T. Like, that was our, that was our thing. I understand. <laughs> I, I understand. You imprinted on him. There's nothing you can do about it. Like... <laughs> I did. I did imprint on him. Um, what were your thoughts? Do you have some thoughts about him? Well, I just think he's like kind of good in this one which he hasn't been in any of them since the first one and i was kind of taken off guard i believe his connection to renezme way more than anyone else in this yeah yeah he really had to act to have a connection with a fake baby so (laughs) and a fake child throughout that entire okay we gotta talk about this thing We have to talk about this part of it. Because I must say that Bill Condon is responsible for the two worst creative decisions in this whole series to me. Which is, one, making the wolves talk in the last one. Thankfully, that's not in this one. And two, is this thing they do with Renesmee. Where you see her at, like, all these various stages of her life. Like... As young as being a little child, as young as being like a newborn baby, and as old as being like what looks like an 18, 20 year old in this like flash forward. And she's played by Mackenzie Foy, the actress Mackenzie Foy, who's like 10 years old about. So anytime you see her when she's not a 10 year old, they have CGI taken Mackenzie Foy's face and put it onto another body put it onto a little baby horrible or put it onto a 20 year old where you're looking at this like 10 year old's face (laughs) on a 20 year old's body like it is so disturbing oh what and it is sort of for the big battle it's her and i think for most of the other like almost everything else in the movie it's there's even her as like a six-year-old and it's still like a different actor with her face pasted on when you see the baby for the first time, it's supposed <laughs> to be like this beautiful moment, you know, this like, like, oh, my God, all this work, you know, Bella died for this baby. And then it's that. Then it's floating head, weird eyes, like, it's, 
It's and you're so like, damn, bad. that arrow kid has the point. <laughs> Kill this baby. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. It's a choice that I just wish they could have not made. They could have just found children that look similar to this child, and we would have mm-hmm. believed it more than this. Oh my yeah. god! I just want to um, know what it was like for the actors. Like, what were they? What were? What was it? Like, what was the thing that they were acting with? Was <laughs> it just like a lump of like green screen? Like, what I is think it? most of the time it's a real actor who they have just taken digitally removed the face of that actor and digitally pasted over the face of Mackenzie Foy. And by actors, you mean a baby actor? Yeah, I mean like a human baby. Or she is at other ages throughout this, including a baby. At that point, you're already paying an actor to do, like, paying these, like, children, whatever, to do these things. Just use the the Mm -hmm. children. It seems excessive. It seems bizarre. It seems like putting Peter Cushing and uh, Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. I saw in the credits that there are like six actors credited as Renezme at each age. (laughs) So I bet that since they weren't doing like the face of the actor, they just used a ton of different kids to like get around. They could only work so many hours a day or whatever. Wow. Like, it was probably just a bunch of different bodies standing in that they put the face over. That's so weird. What a strange All that money. I want to know how much of the budget was just to <laughs> put this face on these children. It was the worst choice they could have made for that movie. What about when she gets the bracelet from Jacob for Christmas? And Bella's like, yeah, put it on. You should have that. And it's not weird. It's so weird at the end when Edward is like, I'm glad she has you, a 20-year-old man who loves my 7-year-old daughter. And he's like, yeah, you and Bella are so hot together. I'm glad you guys ended up together. Like, that ending is so weird. And he's like, should I call you dad? Oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) And, and, And... And he's like, yeah, he's like, nah, you get better call me daddy. After the great lengths they went to in part one to say, like, it's not just romantic, he can be a brother, he can be a friend. It's like, no. Nah. <laughs> this one, they're like, no. No. It's exactly what you think it is. We had to, like, rationalize it, you know, for ourselves and supporting the series. Like, we're like, oh, yeah, like, imprinting it. It's not like that. Like, you guys don't understand, like, <laughs> first, like, like, first off, like, it's not even that kind of connection. Like, we, we were very, like, people would bring that up and like, no, 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 no. Jacob's not like that. He doesn't have a romance. <laughs> it, it will progress, like, as he gets older, though. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, it oh is, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. In the book series, Emmett, you don't know this, but there are... I don't know if it's in the Breaking Dawn books or if it's in Eclipse, but they go on like a whole tangent of like we're watching Jacob's side of, of the world and it's uh-huh. just like him being like the first person. So um, you kind of understand the imprinting thing a little more or like mm. why he is the way he is. But yeah, I think I like the imprinting only because like it made sense to why he was so connected to Bella. Like I have said before, I hated Bella, so I needed a reason to why my favorite character would be attracted to mm. that. So I liked it justified so much for me. I was like, oh, he didn't actually like Bella. He liked 
what was going to happen. Like, Bella's womb. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> that, that also means that he, like, has an inherent attraction to Edward that we are not talking about. That I feel like these movies, oh like, dance close to but never get quite okay. to. What a read, Emmett. What a read. And also another chemistry that I was very, like, I was questioning throughout this movie, read, or the movies in general, Rosalie and Emmett? No. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? They're supposed to be, like, together for, for a very long time, but we never really saw them together, nor did they ever, like, seem like they were together. It was, That's it's a good weird. point. It was weird. They're both, like, strong characters by themselves, but yeah. you see sort of all the others have like hot moments together and they like never are barely even in scenes together yeah it is strange yeah so the the moment like and it's like oh yeah when me and rosalie like got together like we're breaking furniture like right. we're doing it for for weeks and it's like all right i don't think any of that yeah you don't and also even if it is true you don't need to tell us about it <laughs> <laughs> He was definitely, like, a character I could have also done without. I don't think he... (laughs) I think he's kind of good in these. I kind of agree with you, but I feel like he knows what is... He understands the assignment. Like, he knows the role he is playing in a way that some of these other actors I don't think do. That's fair. (laughs) But he's, like, showing up. He's also gigantic in this. He's huge. In the arm wrestling scene. Yeah. Enormous. He's... Unbelievable. The, yeah, the thing that I did want to talk about this week, the sort of big topic for this week as we're at the end of the whole series, uh-huh. was like the way the reception of these movies has changed over the last nine years, I guess, since they came out. Yeah. We've been doing this for, uh, I don't know, close to a year, half a year? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so many people have asked us to do Twilight. And I feel like even if it was a few years ago, like, that wouldn't have been true. Like, yeah. it feels like we're in sort of the middle of a Twilight re-emergence in some sort of way. Yeah. 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 Well, is it because, like, our generation of people is, like, getting to the age where we're just, like, okay with liking the things that we like and, like, not really caring what other people have to say about that? And, like, whether or not it's cool. Yeah, I think it's that. And also, I don't know if you guys are on TikTok, but TikTok loves Twilight. Like, people are still making Twilight booth videos. They're still doing them. Like, like, currently, like, they still go (laughs) out into the forest and, like, do stupid spoof videos. So it's still, like, I think it's just still a pop culture, like, icon. I don't think it's ever going to go away because... Gen Z are going back and watching all those movies and becoming fans and like making content about Twilight. So it's never going to die, and that's how it should be. (laughs) It's it's just it shouldn't die. Like it's it's so good bad. It's so good bad. Mm. It it gives you. mm, It's mm. yeah. Ah! I I think that's exactly (laughs) part of it because even like I just think that's in that right space tonally like something like the hunger games which i think is the movies are maybe a little better even quality than all of these movies but then they're just like 
but then what do you even do with that? Like, those movies aren't popular now. People are just like, oh, yeah, those are kind of good. And that's, like, all there is to just say about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But, like, yes. with these, they're, I feel like they're still so, like, weird and exciting going back and watching them now. Yes. Like, you're not going to, like, watch Hunger Games and, like, play a drinking game. No, but you're going right. to sit down and watch Twilight and, like, have drinking game rules and watch that movie and laugh the entire time because it's a good time. Like, they want to be so serious that you love them. Because <laughs> they're bad good. Here's my other question when we're sort of at this moment. Do you think that we're ever going to see, like, a legacy sequel? Like, do you think in the next 10 years they're going to make another movie with Rob and Kristen and Taylor all coming back to these roles? Oh, wow. Absolutely not. No, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> no, because Stephanie Meyer, like, I think Stephanie Meyer has written a book, like, written maybe one or two books after Twilight that's like following some other characters. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I could care. I could care less about those books. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the gag. Like, you're always like, if you don't, if, if those books were the thing. Mm-hmm. And if they're not going to, like, hold up to the thing, why would you? And I don't think any of them want to go back to those characters. <laughs> I think they were happy to finish that series. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, the in memory of sequence of the end of Breaking Dawn Part 2 is, like, the death of those characters. And so... <laughs> We should respect and honor their their wishes. <laughs> Dude, that can we talk about that credit sequence yeah, for a second? Yeah, yeah. What the hell is up with that? What do you mean? It's beautiful. It's awesome. I loved it. I loved it too, but I was like, this is nuts. This has everyone who's ever been in one of these movies in like a featured shot of them yes. over three yes. different credit songs. One of which is by Green Day, one of which is by Ellie Golding, and yes! the other one, I'm not really even sure who it is. You know, Perry, I think, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. Because, like, going back, and the, like, especially in theater, oh, you understand the tears. Because mm. it was, like, the death of those characters, like, all of them. So That's it was. It. Just, it was so beautiful to see everyone's face like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember. And then, ah, ah I'm going to miss them. And, you know, it was very long, though. It was very so long. long. I loved it. I wish all ending movies would do it. I was like an hour 35 into this film and was like, oh, I've got 20 minutes left in the movie. And then it ended. <laughs> and I was like, what's this? <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And then there were 15 minutes of credits. This one also has opening credits, which none of the others do. So I think it's a strong prestige play where you get those like three minutes at the beginning where they're like costume design by Michael Wilkinson. Yeah, I love the ending. It's my the credits are my favorite part of this. I love that they credit both Victoria's too. I thought that was a real class act separately. The only things close to this I can think is um, I think Star Trek does it at the end of the Shatner series, but it's not for everyone who is in any of them. It's for like the main cast. And then after this, Avengers Endgame kind of does this. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
where they uh, like have clips from all the movies and they have like the actor's signature over. Uh-huh. But I do think this is like a standard for. I mean, watching it totally got me. I was like, yeah, we have been is. on. I think it is this moving. long ride. This is a strangely compelling series. I don't know why it's good. I, I don't know. Why. <laughs> Like, I don't know why I'm entertained, but I am. It doesn't make sense at all, but it works and it it brings a lot of joy. Oh, (laughs) and the last, like, scene between Edward and Bella, like, it really did. Mm. It it went right back to the beginning of their, like, whole love story. And it it just feels right. It makes you feel good. Like, you're like, yes, like, they're going to live forever. This is everything that our main character wanted. They have a family. They have some peace. Yeah, getting emotional it's really just thinking about it's really it. Sweet. It brings a tear to the eye. It, it is every single time. She's like, "Oh, I wish I could go back to like 2012 and watch that movie mm-hmm. because it really was like this is how you do it. This is how you like bring someone into this world. You brought this like you brought the country into this world, and then you just closed the book, and that's how the I cried during the book ending, and I cried during the movie ending." <laughs> and, I will for the rest of time, apparently. <laughs> well, this ends with the book ending too, right? It has like the text from yeah. the book and then they're flipping through the pages. I like that a lot too. Oh, I thought that yeah. was class, weird. Class I, act. I was like, oh, that's weird. strange. That was a little <laughs> odd to me. But okay. So you've already touched on it this a little bit, but who do you think the protagonist is and what do you think they want? I would say that Bella is the protagonist. Her wants are always centered around edward Mm. so it's hard Mm -hmm. just from the first book like you just see that her life becomes his life like centered around him and being with him i guess that's what she wants she wants to be with him forever and she will do anything to do it and i think that want changes in breaking dawn part one and then after after that it's about her family but Mm. up until then that's that's her want wait what do you think? Who's the protagonist? What do they want? I don't really know. And that's part of the reason why this one is a flop for me. Like, I don't really know what anyone in this movie wants, <laughs> except for Arrow. And he's also the one who makes the change at the end. Huh. Now, I don't think that he's the protagonist, but it's very tough for me to think of what anyone wants or any changes that anyone makes in the final battle. Mm-hmm. Huh. to like come to a more peaceful ending and this is sort That's of my whole big thing too is that like this movie is sort of all revolving around renesme uh-huh. like sort of the yeah. stakes of this movie is protecting her and stuff wouldn't that be better if renesme was a character yeah like wouldn't that be better <laughs> if they gave you some scenes where you learned who she was and like how people care about her Oh, for sure. The last movie is sort of an entire movie that they spend on being like, what is the relationship like when these guys get married? What is it like when she's pregnant? Like, how does this couple that you have followed deal emotionally with all of this Mm -hmm. stuff? And in this one, they are parents. They are 17 and 18-year-old parents, respectively, to a 7-year-old daughter. And they don't, it's like they don't even mention it. They don't even get into it. Like, I want to see what this couple that we have followed looks like parenting and how they take care of their kid and, like, how they deal with that. And they never even touch on it. The kid doesn't even live with them. It's super yeah. weird. It is It is definitely weird. And 
Charlie's just like, sure, that's uh, your new child. Uh, br- bring her over for Christmas, I, I guess. Um, Damn. Well, I would say that the protagonist is also probably Bella. I have no idea what sort of change she makes in this movie. It feels like she's kind of already made the change. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I think that's why I was very upset like with her character. That's been a recurring problem with her and with this question on this particular series is just like, what does she want? It's so hard to tell. Yeah. You know, and if it, all she wants is to be with like a guy, does yeah. that make for good characters? Does that make for yeah. interesting conflict? Mm-hmm. Like, Is it compelling? I don't know. It was fun to see her get hurt a lot. Yeah. Well, oh, well, Jordan, you've talked a lot about loving the side characters in this. So, who is your MVP? OTBS, your MVP other than Bella Swan, Team Jacob. I I wanted to see better for him. I loved Alice. I wish we saw more of Alice. I thought she was a way mm-hmm. more interesting character than a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> also, about that, like. Charlie was a really great character mm-hmm. and really like fun to like watch. And he was a great mm-hmm. actor throughout that series as well. He played confused very well. I love the scene with him and Jake in this movie. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. It's like the one truly funny scene in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Definitely wish we saw more. Um, I mm-hmm. liked a lot of the humans in the first movie. I know it's like really weird, but yeah, I no. thought those were the friend, the friend group. Mm-hmm. I thought they were actually interesting and and fun to to be around, but you know they drop off very quickly. You're really doing exactly what the credits did right now, Charity. <laughs> I um, yep, yeah, you know, that's it. That's it. That's all the characters that I like. <laughs> Wait, who's your MVP? OTBS for this one. It is Dakota Fanning. Ooh. I I don't know what her okay, character's name okay. is. Okay. Jane. I look it up. Jane. I think she's really good in this. I think she's been good in a, like a small roles in the other ones, but she just sort of stood out to me. The performance that she's giving that is almost entirely silent. She only has one line in this entire movie, which is she says pain. It's one single word. <laughs> she's doing a lot. In this movie with her eyes, though. But, like, really? think about how much she does in this movie and then consider that she only says one word. Like, I think she's pretty good. I didn't even notice that, but she really put pain behind the pain, and that's why it was a strong <laughs> performance. Dude, if that's your superpower, you've got to kind of be like, can I be a good guy? Like, if your superpower is torturing other people, if you're, like, the nicest person in the world and you gain the superpower that's making other people physically convulse, like, do you really have any moral options? I think you should write a play about that, Wade. Yes, yes. What if her power could be reversed, where she's just choosing to use pain, but she could also give people pleasure, and that is... Wow. Damn. (laughs) That's a different story. Now it's saucy. Um, Emmett, who was your MVP? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to have to go with... Okay, there's a lot of people in this movie who I think are pretty wonderful. All of the shouts to all of the weird and wonderful vampire people that they team (laughs) up with. (laughs) Especially especially the Russian slash Transylvanian ones. I love them. (laughs) But I'm going to go with Rami Malek. Because he's so cute, mm. and because he's like, 
he's like very intense in this and he like tells his dad or his like older mentor guy we're gonna stay and fight and he is also the last airbender so all of those things are really (laughs) exciting i briefly hit on it earlier 22 people die in this movie that's our body counts we also see a taylor Lautner take off his shirt only one time in this movie <laughs> but it is with Charlie. It is so with I... Charlie, so that that's so pluses for that. So now it's the part of the, the, the episode where we've come to the quiz. For this quiz, I've gone truly off the rails. Okay. It's truly deep cuts only on I this quiz. I have not studied. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. So the name of the quiz for this series has been Interview with a Vampire. Today, of course, it is the um. Today, the subject of our interview is going to be the actor Wendell Pierce, who plays Jay Jenks in this movie, a character who <laughs> okay. I had no idea what he was doing, other than the, that he comes on and gives Bella some information. But he was compelling, and I was like, "Who's this guy?" And he also this guy is the winner of the That Guy Award <laughs> for this episode, <laughs> Wendell Pierce. He is a Juilliard grad. He has had an illustrious career on both the television, um, big screen, and on the stage, both Broadway and off-Broadway. He has played many roles, and so today we are going to be playing a game where I will read you a quote, and you will tell me if this is one from one of his illustrious stage productions that he's been in. It's not necessarily going to be something he said, because I couldn't get that quite that specific, but from one of the plays that he's been in, or from Twilight. Uh, there's ten quotes. Five from okay. plays that Wendell Pierce has been in. Okay. Five from the book series Twilight by Stephanie Meyer. And it's gonna okay. be your job to tell the difference. This is nothing I could have ever prepared for. Alright. Why am I trying to become what I don't want to be when all I want is out there waiting for me the minute I say I know who I am? It's definitely from a play. I agree. Sounds like a song. Sounds like a song to me. That's my final answer. That's your final answer? <laughs> All right, points for both of you. That is from Death of a Salesman. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. A uh, play in which Wendell Pierce played Willie Loman wow. on the West End. Oh, really impressive. Wow. You could be like your own son. I'm going to say this is also from a play. I'm going to go Twilight for this one. I feel like there's weird age stuff all the time, so I'm going to say that. Well, Wade, you're correct, although I think you've both been thrown. It's sun as in the star in the sky. Uh, uh, but Wade is correct. It is from Twilight. Huh. Okay. I, yes, I would have picked Twilight as well. Give me the point. <laughs> okay. Okay. You both get points. Retroactively? What? <laughs> sure. Sure. <whatever>. Okay. <laughs> it's your scent. It's like a drug to me. It's like my own personal heroin. Um, How can we forget? I'm going to go with Twilight. Imagine writing a book for 12-year-olds and (laughs) writing the line, my own personal heroin. Damn. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, I suspect it may be Twilight as well. Points for both. Stay with me. Did I ever leave you? You let me go. Yeah, that's Twilight. (laughs) That's Twilight for me. (laughs) Yeah, it feels Twilighty. I would definitely agree. Twilight. I'm gonna say Twilight New Moon as well. Go ahead. Wow, 
You're really getting wrong. specific here. You're both wrong. <laughs> it's from Samuel Beckett's classic, Waiting for Godot. Oh. <laughs> and Wendell Pierce was in the production of this that was set on a rooftop in New Orleans after Katrina, which is like a crazy famous production of this. Huh. Really winning Whoa. the That Guy Award this time around. The guy has credentials. I feel a little bad now for just spending that whole scene imagining how much better Tyler Perry would have been if it had been him in it. <laughs> Say it. Out loud. <laughs> Say it. This is really just Emmett playing the hits <laughs> this quiz. Um, I suspect it may be Twilight. I feel like you're, tr- you're going to trick us on these, but I'm also going to say Twilight. You're both correct. It is Twilight. How strongly opposed are you to grand auto theft? Your voice changed on that one. And it didn't sound like Edward Orville. (laughs) I'm going to say it's from a play. I'm going to go Twilight. I can't think of any moment it happens, but it has that sort of Twilight punch to it. Wade, you get the point. It is Alice from Twilight who says this line. Oh, a new moon. I remember this now. This is unfair. You guys have watched the entire series recently. That's true. The game is up. The game is up? Yeah. Um, Play. I'm going to say Twilight. Wade, you've done it again. The game is up <laughs> is from Cymbeline, Shakespeare's wow. other classic. Yeah, I, was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about... Twilight, where they go play the baseball game. Oh, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. We're coming into the home stretch here. Lost. I am lost. My fates have doomed my death. The more I strive, I love. The more I love, the less I hope. Yeah, I'm going to go play with that one. I'm going to go that one. <laughs> yes, I, I will as well. <laughs> yes, you're correct. That is from the play Tis Pity She's a Whore. By John Ford. <laughs> I thought it was. I wonder. I love that line. Those lines. They're, they're so good. This hostage stuff is fun. Well, it sounds very Twilighty, which makes me sure you're about to reveal to us that it's arms and the man. Uh, sounds like the sort of values that I'm used to Stephanie Meyer <laughs> proclaiming. So I'm going to say Twilight. This is so hard. Um... Alright, I'm just gonna also say Twilight. Alright, you're both correct. And for the final question. I've been with strangers all day, and they treated me like family. I come in here to my family, and you treat me like a stranger. Uh, it sounds familiar. I'm going to say play. I'm gonna say play as well. You are correct. It is August Wilson's classic, The Piano Lesson. Uh. Well, that is the game... I wasn't keeping score. I think Wade may I have lost. won. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is the score. <laughs> but thank you so much for playing. You're all winners in my heart. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I I love playing this this game. Charity, do you have any final thoughts first be- before we go on this movie? This is the best movie franchise ever created by anyone. <laughs> I stand by that. Why, keep watching Twilight until forever. Never. I want to. I'm going to be like 70 years old, being like, "Come on, kids! Like, we have to watch Twilight <laughs> again." Like, and the kids are going to be like, "Oh, Grandma, not again!" And like, we're doing it again. Like, you know. 
it's one of those <laughs> franchises for me that I I will never get tired of. And thank you guys for allowing me to just talk about it because it needs to be talked about a lot more. Mm. Thank you for coming and talking about it. Yeah, and maybe one day, like, when we're all together again, we can make some Twilight Spoof videos and post them on the internet. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. Okay, all right. I'm casting Emmett as as Jacob. Truly. And Wade, you will be Edward. And we'll cast... Yeah, we'll cast everyone else later. Amazing. <laughs> Are there any places or any projects that you're working on or any places that the our lovely listeners can find you and your work? <laughs> well, uh, a lot of things are in <laughs> development. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so right now you can just follow me on social media and mm. maybe one day I'll have some content. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> You can follow me on social media at charity dot chantel um, c h a n t e l t e l l e, and that's it. That's all. I, that's all I got right now. Well, that's awesome. Hell yeah! Thank you so much Thank for being guys. here with us. Uh, Thank yes. you. Thank you. Talking about this crazy movie. I love Twilight, and I and I love you guys, and I love Twilight, and I love you guys. Dude, I just want to say, I you had never talked to me about Twilight, but I knew. I knew when we How started. How did you know? <laughs> I just knew. I've, I don't know. know. I've spent a lot of time with you, and I was like, <laughs> I'm saving Charity for when we do Twilight, because I bet she's going to have something to say about it. Oh my oh. gosh, you don't understand. When I saw when I saw the like email, and I saw you gave me like Twilight, I was like, the validation that you can feel my like twilight <laughs> energy was strong and then i saw it was breaking dawn part two i was like um yes <laughs> all of it god like i seriously i remember like un- reading my book under my covers one night um i think it was probably like eclipse or something and i wasn't supposed to be reading the book because of my parents and there was a spider in my bed and i screamed and, like, my parents, you know, my mom came running in and, like, my book was, like, you know, out there. And she was, like, what is – she wasn't even concerned about my, like, almost dying because of the fire. But she was, like, what is oh, this? Man. And I was, like, I'm holding it for a friend. Um, you know, like, I literally had to lie to my mom about reading Twilight. So it just, you know, holds a lot of memory. <laughs> That's a lot of memory. That's awesome. Wait, any closing thoughts? Not really. I like that we see that Bella's power at the end is showing a YouTube compilation of their relationship to Edward. Yes, love that. <laughs> That's very fun. Um, yeah. And, you know, the two things I said last week that I wanted out of this movie, I got. They told Charlie, which I didn't mm-hmm. think they were going to. I know he doesn't get the full mm-hmm. details, but, yeah. like, they clue him in, which he deserved. Yeah, that's true. I would have yeah. been so angry if that didn't happen, and I'm really glad it did. Yeah. And... And we find out why Edward can't read her thoughts, which I thought was a really interesting revelation when you finally find out why yeah. that is. Did you have any final thought? Not at all. I think this series <laughs> has, has it has come and gone like a cold breeze on a spring day, and I'm looking forward to the bright <laughs> ray of sunshine that will be the next thing, and for my skin to glitter like diamonds in the bright <laughs> sun of our next series. <laughs> 
Oh my god, I'm sorry. I just saw the like image of Bella walking into the sun and like finally sparkling. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna. This is the summer that we all just wear glitter all the way, all the time <laughs> on our entire body. our entire bodies. <laughs> Join us on Friday when we have our special wrap up episode, and mm. then we will begin our new series on tuesday very excited to announce what that is on friday and to get into it with all of you i think it's going to be a very fun very uplifting one for everyone (laughs) love you guys bye cinema bums is a production of dkg podcast it is created and produced by wade lawrence holloman and me emmett temple Wade also edits and mixes this podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.